0: Good morning, this is Driving Theology, my name is Mike, and I am heading out on my normal Wednesday morning drive out to the, my place of employment, for Wednesdays only, and uh, yeah, I'm here to talk to you guys about some stuff. Uh, if the sound feels a little bit more raw than usual, maybe, you may not hear any difference at all, but anyway, my, uh, it's not called a pop filter, but anyway, it's a little foam, uh, hat kind of thing that fits over the microphone. My, my, uh, dog ate it, <laughs> my new puppy ate it up. So, uh, that's, uh, that's why maybe you're going to hear a little bit more, uh, background noise than usual. Um, maybe we'll keep it to a minimum, I don't know, we'll see, I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, so it is, I think I figured out, uh, January 27th, Uh, and it rained last night pretty heavily, Uh, but this morning the sun is starting to come out a little bit, the ground is still wet, it's warmer than it has been see the outside temperature says 10 degrees which is about 50 and it's still not even 10 a.m. yet so it's right around 9.20 yeah so yeah it's a kind of a warm day at least uh, in comparison in comparison to the recent weeks Uh, I'm sure the humidity has helped things warmer, but, uh, yeah, the biggest news that's coming out of uh, politics this week is, uh, the Bernie Sander memes, (laughs) which are awesome. (laughs) They're they're pretty funny, but you know, I, for four years, for the four years, you know, prior to Biden becoming president, (laughs) I've been getting these constant news bleep blips of Trump doing something controversial, saying something, changing something, Uh, just constant. And I now realize it was kind of a a source of stress. Uh, I haven't really tried to hide the fact that that I've been quite critical of the Trump presidency. Trump the person himself, Uh, so I probably should have turned those notifications off, you know, ages ago, but I don't seem to get many of those anymore. You know, it's not a constant, oh no, what did Trump do now kind of thing. Every time we'd wake up, you know, the next morning, I'd always be wondering what has Trump done now, you know, uh, what has Trump said now, what has he tweeted now. Um, and just to have that three-ring circus kind of aspect of Trump presidency over, uh, thrilling as it may have been for some, uh, I think is a much much needed, much needed in the state so that we can really focus on what's important. And who knows, maybe there, there will be a bit of a cascading effect Around the world as well. Maybe uh, years down the road, we will look at the Trump presidency and realize that we were better for it, or somebody was better for it, or there was a there was an effect that was positive somewhere. I I, I guess as a Christian, I have to. Have to believe that that certainly will be the case. Uh, that, you know, if anybody does it, God does. He takes lemons and makes lemonade, right? Uh, he takes the, the, uh, the mundane, the profane uh, things of the world and makes them beautiful. Uh, I guess he's constantly ahead of us, you know, tirelessly working to to fix our mistakes. And and, uh, that's why uh, I don't think we have to worry that when someone like a Trump comes along that it has to ruin the world from here on out. Now, there are some branches of Christianity that would have us believe that that's God's plan all along, for the, for the world to get ruined and, and, and run by Satan. And for it to finally be destroyed uh, by the wrath of God and fire, right? Um, <clears throat> there was a time that I, you know, believed that more or less. It was a time that, you know, that made perfect sense to me. Uh, but my theology has changed, right? And and the part of my theology that's changed the most, perhaps, is my eschatology—the study of what you know God is doing with all this. Where 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 is everything headed? What is the trajectory of the world? Um, I would say that's probably. where my theology has changed most drastically. Probably for a time, and I'm not sure how it happened, I think I got uh, heavily influenced by uh, Pentecostal uh, eschatology, Um, you know, the rapture and things like this. Uh, Somehow it kind of seeped in uh, to, uh, to my belief system, although Heater, so it's not so warm. Although, I wouldn't say that the uh, millennial rule uh, of Christ or anything like that ever uh, quite uh, took. I, I never quite saw how that was going to happen or what that would look like, so I never really t- took that seriously. Uh, and maybe I never had a strong opinion of it, one way or the other. <laughs> Um, but the way I look at uh, the Bible now, and and what it actually is saying and what it's actually not saying, uh, I'd say is another drastic difference. Um, how how I view scripture, right? Um. Yeah, I'm not sure how I got here, but anyway, uh, when somebody like Trump comes along, it's really easy for us, I say easy, easy is probably not the right word, Uh, it's understandable uh, for people who have a certain uh, eschatology or eschatological outlook on life to just shrug their shoulders and say, well... It's all God's will, right? This is what's going to happen that the world's going to destruct in a ball of fire of God's making. So, sooner the better, right? (laughs) So, yeah, I I no longer uh, prescribe to that kind of thinking. I, I think that's not only is it a wrong reading of Scripture, I think it's a dangerous reading of Scripture. Uh, for the very reason that uh, we we can shrug our shoulders at evil and maybe even passively participate in it, believing that we are actually bringing about God's will, right? And with that kind of eschatology, we need not worry about, you know, people dying and suffering, uh, Especially people who are not uh, Christians, right? I think that kind of eschatology makes war um, very possible, right? Makes, uh, gives Christians the license to make war on other nations, right? <laughs> and, and there are other, other parts of that, right? A lot of that eschatology or, or theology comes from the fact that they believe God has placed who he wants in the offices that he wishes and that he can, and therefore he condones everything he does. And it kind of comes, uh, well, one expression of that was the divine right of kings uh, in the middle ages um, and even, even later through the renaissance. Um the divine right of kings to basically do whatever they want because they were appointed by God. And no one, no man could judge them because only God was allowed to judge them kind of thing. And we know a lot of horrible stuff that came out of that theology. Um, So, by extension, now that we're, you know, by and large we have democratic Democratically elected governments and things like this, we can still play the game that says, "Well, uh, for example, Donald Trump can do whatever he wants because he's appointed by God and nobody can judge him except God himself, right?" Um, but that only is true if you have a certain theology, right? If you're if you read the Bible a certain way. And one of the things that influences that reading is a mistaken understanding of the character of God. What has happened is through the reading of the scriptures and especially the Old Testament, and I'll throw revelation in there as well, because many have believed that these words are absolutely true and mostly literal, that God is a God who has commanded genocide, who has killed with his own hand, who has taken life, Uh, that God is a God who uh, not only commands uh, armies to destroy all of the men, but women, children, animals, babies, right? when you believe that your God or the God is, is capable of such atrocious, heinous acts, then you're going to have a certain view on the present and the future. Right? And so for example, you, you would, you would say to yourself something like, well, God, God is God. Therefore, he can do whatever he wants. He's the creator God. Everything uh, that is, is owned by him. Therefore, he has the right to do with it, uh, however he pleases. Right? Which is, that's because that's how we would be. Right? If I've got a piece of land, uh, and my neighbor complains uh, that uh, something I'm growing on my land is interfering with what he's doing with his land, well, you know, screw him. It's my land. I can do whatever I want, right? I have sovereignty. And there's another word that has been uh, overused, I think, to describe the character of God. God is sovereign, right? And most of it's because this anthropomorphic, uh, uh, anthropomorphizing of God, right? Uh, assigning God character traits that we humans have, and then just just expanding them. Uh, but I think the problem here is that we we believe more we we believe more in the God of the Old Testament as recorded by the writers of the Old Testament than we do in the God of the New Testament, which is Jesus Christ Himself. Because Jesus Christ Himself, if you look at who He is and how He is in the world while He was on earth, He looks nothing like most of the portrayals of God in the Old Testament. I say most because I believe that the character of God, here and there, um, was was at the very least hinted at, right? At least a shadow, uh, a shadow of of who He actually was, uh, could be teased out if you knew what you were looking for. Kind of thing, I guess, is the best way to say that. Um, but by and large, they look like two different gods completely. Um, in fact, uh, you would say that, that Jesus in many ways, not only doesn't look like that God, he doesn't look like any, any of the gods, uh, in the ancient near East. Uh, he doesn't look like any of the gods anywhere that we know of, not the Egyptian gods and, you know, not the gods of Asia, um, He's completely other, Jesus is. And in many ways, he's, he doesn't come across as very human either. Right? Well, we know now, the interesting thing about that is, is that not only is, is he completely God, and only God, in other words, God is exactly like Jesus, not the other way around. He's also more human than any of us, because in the beginning we were made in the image of God, and therefore God is the truest image of what it means to be human. And so Jesus came, not only to show us who God was, but who we were when we were able to peel away the the effects of of generational sin. Right? That's who Jesus is. Jesus Jesus not only revealed to us the true God, he also revealed to us the true man, the true true human. Uh, and, And in doing so, became the best and only example for us to follow. Which is what makes us disciples, right? Uh, right now, I can't remember what my last podcast was about off the top of my head. I think it may have had to do with the difference between disciples and Christians. But but that is something that came up. Uh, this oh yeah 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 that was last week's talk. Yeah, what is a disciple? What is a Christian? So I think a disciple uh in light of what I was just talking about a disciple is someone who who sees who God truly is in the face of Christ and then knows who he must aspire to be as a man right so in a sense I don't know wow I never thought this through this is all right, this is a new thought to me. We say that Jesus was was both man and God in the same person. But what if he wasn't? What if he was just God? And that because we are made in the image of God, we are there as well, right? God is indivisible, is he not? Right? God cannot be divided. Uh, and so... So I suppose perfect God and perfect man are the same being, that in a sense, Jesus was revealing the perfect man while introducing us to the true and perfect God. And happily we find out that they are one and the same. That man, when he has discovered his true calling, or his, uh, his true, um, as uh, N.T. Wright put it, his true profession, uh, and that is to be doing the same things in the world that, that God does in the world. And that is looking into chaos and bringing order and beauty. An abundance for all. Um, yeah. So this this chaos and order uh, theme is something that really interests me right now. I, I got to go to a, a, an art show, uh, an art showing, an exhibition of a friend of mine's art. Uh, she's actually the daughter of a, a longtime friend of our family. Uh, and I've followed her for a couple years and seen some of her work and some of that same work was there but she's actually expanded what she's been doing into some really beautiful stuff um, and I, her, her 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 work is modern uh, it's modern in the sense that Picasso is modern and I don't know if that's impressionistic uh, I, it's not impressionism. I know it's not impressionism. Uh but it's not modern in the in the, you know, same way that Andy Warhol is modern. Uh it it's it's um but it's pretty chaotic, right? It 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 describes uh describes uh it it portrays, I guess, uh the mind of the artist this kind of art very well. Um you know, when you sit down to, to paint a landscape, uh, and, and you try to do it as perfectly as possible, it's not the same thing as, as making a piece of art out of thin air, right? Not having anything before you, uh, to, uh, to put on paper, but something that, that you create on the spot in your mind. And so you look into your mind, into the chaos that is there uh, and you you pull out patterns and color and light and you arrange them in such a way uh, that that you can see the chaos becoming order right before your eyes Uh, and that's 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 the job of the artist no matter what the medium is whether it's music or poetry uh, whether it's painting or sculpture or dance. Uh, what, What the true artist does is goes into chaos and brings forth order, right? Orders chaos into patterns. I guess in a way they're defining, right? They look in there and they see this or that and then they're able to... To pull that out and, and arrange it in such a way that makes it beautiful, and that's what, uh, yeah, that's what this this uh, young lady was able to do. Um, and I think she did a really good job. In fact, we we uh, bought one of her pieces, um, but. That that kind of profession, right, is kind of what we were all called to. If you remember Adam, uh, after he was made, God said, you know, basically, uh, subdue the subdue the earth, right? Uh, go into the earth. The earth is going to be somewhat unsubdued. Obviously, your job is to subdue it. And so Adam went in and. One of the things he did was name all the animals, right? He named things. And this naming is also one of the most significant ways using language that people bring order out of chaos. Just the naming of something uh, will take something from chaos to order. It's quite interesting, actually. Uh, you know, for example, when, when we have something that, that is... Uh, uh, killing people like, like the, the coronavirus or, or at one time, you know, HIV or something like this. There's a lot of chaos involved in what's going on. Like, you know, nobody knows what's doing it. Um, and, and the, the, the fact that chaos is a big part of the situation creates fear, uh, and a lot of anxiety. Uh, but as soon as we're able to name the thing, right, to the point where, where, where we are able to identify something and we have given something a name, then suddenly it goes from the realm of chaos, at least somewhat, into the realm of order. And therefore we can begin understanding it and controlling it and, and doing whatever we need to do uh, to... Uh, to make it less harmful to us. But until we've given it a name, there is an amazing amount of fear uh, and anxiety over what in the world is causing all of this uh, destruction, right? Uh... Sorry, having a little cold brew, cold brew coffee here. They didn't have enough hot brew, hot, hot coffee this morning. Hot brew. <laughs> um, I was trying to think if there's another. Well, for example, when I, I live in kind of a farming community, and and there are various critters that live around who sometimes come in and destroy farmland and whatnot. Uh, until the specific critter is identified. Right? Uh, nobody knows how they're going to uh, be able to keep them out because different animals have different abilities. You know, some animals can climb, some can't. Uh, so, what kind of barriers do you create? But as soon as the perpetrator is identified, then you know uh, more about how to protect yourself from it and you, you feel more secure. So naming something, identifying something is another way to put that, I guess, uh, is just one of the ways uh, that we are able to bring order into the chaos of our lives. Um, Maybe the main way, I feel like naming is a pretty significant thing, a pretty significant part of the human experience. Um, that perhaps uh, we do that animals don't do so much. Although I think we know that some animals uh, whose language has been deciphered do have different words for different things. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah. I don't know how I got on this tangent of order and chaos. Um, not sure it went to where it was supposed to go. Um, but, I, you know, I began with, with uh, the fact that Trump is not making as much, uh, he's not creating as much chaos as he was when he was in office. I think a lot of, a lot of what he did with his tweets uh, and his controversial uh, patterns of speech uh, brought a lot of chaos because nobody knew just what he was thinking or what he was going to do or what he was you know capable of uh, and so for a lot of people there was a lot of uh, anxiety with that um, now we have joe biden who's probably going to be somewhat more benign uh, than trump we'll see how he does uh, he you know he's I don't know, barely... Is he even a week in office now? I guess he is. Um, But there's already a lot of... uh, uh, What do you call it? Criticism of his first week in office. uh, Mostly by Trump supporters, obviously. But the internet has changed since Trump is not president. Things have changed. Um, things have become less volatile on on social media, for example. Uh, things have calmed down just a bit, which is really nice, <laughs> really nice. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see how things work out. Um, but yeah, I I kind of want to explore that idea that Jesus was. perfect God and the perfect man at the same time Uh, but that's one and the same thing the perfect man is the perfect God the perfect God is the perfect man I don't mean to say that all men are gods in in that way Um, but if we're made in the image of God if God is our father if if we are his children there must be some way, right? Some something that would connect us to him, right? I mean, the, the, there, there, there needs to be uh, some similarities or resemblance between God and man. I think sin has done a lot to. To skew the godly image of man, um, but I don't think we've thought enough about the manly image of God. <laughs> no, I don't mean manly as far as macho man, but the the the, the yeah, humanly image of God. Hmm. Well, what I do know is that. I want to be a disciple of Him. I want to to live more as He lived in the world. Uh, I want to learn more and more from Him. I want to discover my true humanity uh, in Jesus. Uh, And I confess that I don't know how to do that and that I fail at it daily. Um, Still I want it to be my highest goal, I think. Because that's the you know that's the transforming power that we need in the world. We need we need humans to be reflecting their maker and to be discovering their true humanity in the world, so that we can bring the reality of God to the earth. And and we need to discover the collaborative nature of God more. The fact that he. Um, the way that he chooses or desires to work in the world is not unilaterally, unilaterally uh, but in conjunction with uh, his, his God-humans, right, to bring the peace, the shalom, to shalom the world, right? Uh, that's something that's worth discovering, I think. why so much of our world doesn't look like... Yeah, I don't know. It's just that, you know, if I look at my existence, my daily routines, my the way I live in the world, it really does not seem to look much at all like Jesus' experience in Palestine 2,000 years ago. Something about the way through technology and transportation that we've expanded, uh, expanded, you know, just today I have a feeling, I'm not sure I'd have to look, but just today going to this job, I have a feeling I'm going as far as Jesus ever traveled in his life. I could be wrong about that. Um, I probably am wrong about that. He probably went twice or three times as far, but I have a feeling if I went to Tokyo, which is a two hour drive, um, that I would have gone farther than Jesus ever traveled in his life, and there's something about that compactness that that being in such a a tight community for so long <clears throat> that has to have a, a, a different effect on the people that live there. You know, their modus operandi, for example. You know, I'm able to get in this car and escape from any semblance of community where I am for the whole day, Um, which is pretty normal, you know, a 40-minute commute or whatever, but anyway, I'm here. I'm going to have to let you guys go, and uh, yeah, who knows where this will all go, but I think if we just focus on Christ and being his disciples, that uh, you can't go anywhere, But a good place. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye.